everyone, and welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. <laughs> this is episode what, 38. Fantastic. Thank you so much for all of you listening in. My audience grows a little bit every single week, and I'm very happy about that. Be sure and spread the word. Or as I say at the end of every episode, relay the bark. And for those of you who don't know where that comes from, I explained it in one of my episodes. You remember in 101 Dalmatians, when all the dogs barked and transferred it, you know, from dog to dog to dog. So they all knew the news all around. That's what I'm asking you to do is relay the bark. You hear the bark and talk to your friends about it. Tell them to listen to my podcast. Even those people you don't think will agree with it, some people actually do listen to podcasts they disagree with just so they can disagree. And I welcome that. As a matter of fact, if you have any disagreements, or if you agree, or if you want me to add more detail, if you think I missed something, or if you uh, want me to hear your side of the story, write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk about the unclassified federal document 1023. Yes, it is unclassified. And Christopher Wray is withholding it on purpose. And he allowed the House Oversight Committee to see the document, but some things were redacted. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, Trump, of course, is indicted again. And this one. I don't know how we can even justify this because, uh, what, what is his name? Uh, Jack Smith is indicting Trump on the Espionage Act, but he's not mentioned one thing that would exonerate Trump in all of his indictments. I wonder why. All right. And I uh, discovered a very disturbing thing about the puberty blocker. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Lapron or Lupron. Um, and I uh, listened to an interview with a doctor that talked about what he uses it for and what the almost always side effect is. Very disturbing. And then the rising crime rates in our cities, mostly blue cities, and why I believe all of this is on purpose. Also, this weekend, is Father's Day and Juneteenth. So I'll make some comments on those things as well. So stick around because that and maybe a little bit more depends on how much time I have after I get done with these topics on the watchdog's bark. All right. So first of all, Christopher Ray, you need to just release the entire FD23. Okay. Or, or FD1023 rather. Federal document 1023. It is a affidavit signed by a very dependable uh, confidential informant of the FBI. So credible, they paid him $200,000 so far for the information that he has provided them and has been very credible. And this FD 1023 was finally allowed to be viewed by the House Oversight Committee. They've been trying to do that for a long time. James Comer and others finally were allowed to view the document, but guess what? There was a part that was redacted. And this document basically was proof 
that a Ukrainian businessman paid Joe Biden $5 million and Hunter Biden $5 million to get Joe to put pressure on the Ukrainian government to fire a prosecutor that was investigating the Burisma Energy Company. The same company that Hunter was being paid $1 million a year to sit on the board of directors of. Hmm. Now, Hunter Biden doesn't have any experience in energy, has no experience in Ukraine or the Ukrainian culture, and yet the Burisma Energy Company paid him $1 million a year to sit on their board of directors. Huh. I wonder why. Well, all of this money that was paid to Joe and Hunter, I believe, resulted in Joe threatening to withhold $1 billion in USAID to Ukraine if he wasn't fired. Do you remember this? This is what Joe bragged about in front of the Council of Foreign Relations. We should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev and... Uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they, had, they were walking out to press conference and said, no, I said, I'm not gonna, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. You know, I believe eventually it's going to be Joe's hubris that gets him caught. Because he can't seem to keep his mouth shut when he needs to brag about something he got away with. And I think that's what's happening here. Now, we know that Christopher Wray, the FBI director, purposefully redacted a portion of this FD-1023. That the, port, that the part that was redacted stated that a Burisma executive that gave $5 million to Joe and $5 million to Hunter has 17 recorded conversations of these transactions with the Bidens, including two with Joe Biden himself. Now that we know that, let's listen to the tapes. If there's really nothing to hide, Christopher Ray, Mr. FBI Director, why not let everyone listen to it? I believe once all of this is revealed, articles of impeachment are definitely on the table. And I believe Christopher Ray should be fired. Now, I know one presidential candidate has said that he will go clean house at the Department of Justice on day one, and that is the former Vice President Mike Pence. I hope others will sign on to that as well so that Christopher Wray knows his days are numbered. When a new president comes in, he's gone, as he should be. Christopher Wray makes, what, three or four extremely corrupt FBI directors in a row? We have Jim Comey, Andrew McCabe, and now Christopher Wray, all covering for Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Yet more proof of a dual system of justice in this country. I listened to a clip on uh, Reels on Instagram of Newt Gingrich 
talking to, I believe it's Sean Hannity, um, and talking about everything that's going on. And I believe he summarizes it best. Listen to this. Look, I, I think all of us who are conservative have misunderstood what's going on. It's a lot like Hillary. They didn't prosecute Hillary because she's so likable. They didn't prosecute Hunter because, after all, he's such a nice guy. They're not going to go after Joe because, after all, he means well. I mean, what you have here is absolute, total corruption. And I have a couple simple tests, frankly, for the House Republicans. Um, release the document. It's not classified. Uh, there's no reason every American can't read it. Put it on the Internet. Let all of us read. Remember, this is a confidential FBI informant who the FBI believed in enough to have paid him over $200,000 over the years. So they thought he was a very serious person. So let's read what he had to say. Second, I, I just did a newsletter uh, at Gingrich 360 uh, saying that this is the wrong indictment. The Donald Trump indictment's wrong. The first indictments ought to be all the people who are mentioned as breaking the rules and breaking the law in the Durham report. Those are FBI agents. The second indictment ought to be the two universities that still haven't told us how much money they got from the Chinese communists while taking care of the Bidens. That's the University of Delaware and the University of Pennsylvania. And the University of Pennsylvania got two ambassadorships out of the deal. And there were 10 Biden administration senior people being paid by the University of Pennsylvania with money that I think came directly from communist China. The third indictment ought to be the Biden family. I mean, how can you have, you know, it's a very simple, just ask yourself, why would the widow of the mayor of Moscow send $3 million to Hunter Biden? Why would Burisma hire a guy who clearly yeah. didn't know anything? Uh, $3.5 million. Uh, I'm, I'm blowballing it. I'm trying to be conservative. Uh, why would, why would, but think about it. Why would Burisma be paying him? Why would somebody in Kazakhstan send him money? Why would a Chinese billionaire be sending him a diamond? When, and as Chairman Comer reported the other day, we know of at least one case where $3 million was sent to the Biden family from China. Uh, and finally, what does it tell you that apparently the FBI leadership insisted that the IRS disband the team that was looking into the money for the Bidens? This whole thing is sick, and it puts in context what's happening with Trump. What you have is a deliberate, vicious effort worthy of Zimbabwe or Venezuela or Cuba, but in the United States of America, to have this kind of totally ruthless use of the power of the government. You know, it's, it's ironic. This is the week that is the anniversary of the publication of George Orwell's 1984. And what we're seeing is yeah. exactly the use of state power that Orwell warned us against. And I hope that the Republicans next week will release the document, put it on the Internet, let every American see it, and then ask the attorney general and the head of the FBI, how could you have had this for several years and not investigated it? I mean, there's something profoundly sick about this. I could not agree more. How profoundly sick is this that the FBI had this information for years and didn't even bother to investigate? That, to me shows a complete dereliction of duty and making decisions in the FBI based on ideological motivations rather than wanting to get to the truth no matter who is the one being blamed or the one that needs to be investigated. 
Shame on you, guys. I, I used to have so much respect for the FBI. Now I have none. Uh, believe me, I know there are still good people in the FBI. There are still good workers, uh, drones, you know, I guess we would call them. They're, they're the pawns. They're the ones that are doing the, the grunt work and, and doing the really good work. But there are so many corrupt individuals in the top of the FBI. I hope that the next president that comes in will clean house in the FBI, the CIA, the IRS, all of these agencies that have the power to ruin lives. And they can do it on a whim based on who they don't like and who they're trying to prevent from becoming president or leaders of our country. Like Newt Gingrich said, this is Zimbabwe. This is Nigeria. This is, this is countries that are third world countries that have so much corruption at the top that they're trying to put their political opponents in jail to prevent from running against them. Gosh, that kind of sounds like what they're doing here. You know, Joe Biden's trying to put Donald Trump in jail so he doesn't have to run against him because he knows and everyone else that in the leadership of our country knows that Donald Trump will expose the deep state and the corruption that is going on in our country that many do not know about. Okay, and that leads us to our next topic. Donald Trump has been indicted again on 37 counts of obstruction of justice under the Espionage Act. Now, why did Jack Smith choose the Espionage Act to indict Donald Trump on? I'll bet it's because if he would have tried to indict him on the Presidential Records Act, he would have had no ground to stand on. Because the Presidential Records Act basically says that once a president takes control or possession of documents, be they classified or not, they become the president's private property. And we know the president has the ultimate authority on what is classified and what is not. Now, if you look at the pictures, you know, I don't know if the, all of those boxes were in bathrooms and shower. I don't know, honestly. I don't think so. That's kind of really strange. But even if that is the case, if you looked at one of the pictures, the overturned box shows magazine and newspaper clippings and personal items of Donald Trump. And we know when the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, they took a lot of Donald Trump and Melania Trump's personal items as well, like passports. Now, they were returned very quickly because they had to be. And the Presidential Records Act basically only requires a president to, once they're finished reading or, or viewing materials, to return the originals back to the National Records Archive, or copies of those. Because the National Records Archive wants to have a complete library or catalog of all of the documents that the president has had. So Donald Trump invited the FBI and the Records Department to come over to Mar-a-Lago and look at anything they wanted to look at and make copies or 
uh, you know, let him make copies and take the originals. I believe he made that offer to them and they chose not to do that and instead raided Mar-a-Lago in a very showy fashion to, I believe, try to hum humiliate and discredit Donald Trump for doing that. And let me give you an, a, an example of, of how this was enforced with a previous president. You see, Bill Clinton recorded many of his conversations with world leaders. And a lot of those conversations were very classified information about relations between the countries and neighboring countries and, you know, military plans and all different things like that that would be very highly classified information. And he kept those recordings in his sock drawer at his private residence after he left the presidency. And the Presidential Records Act was brought up to exonerate him, basically saying those tapes were now Bill Clinton's private property. So the same thing's going to apply here. And there's a reason why Jack Smith didn't use the Presidential Records Act. And it's not mentioned anywhere in his indictments, 37 counts of, of obstruction of justice under the Espionage Act. I really do hope that there's going to be a very knowledgeable judge that will look at this case, realize that what Donald Trump did was part of the Presidential Records Act, and throw it out the window. Who knows? With as corrupt as this system really is, who knows what will happen? I hope that, it, that, that justice will truly prevail, but if justice follows the pattern that it has recently, Donald Trump's going to get invited or indicted and he'll probably be arrested and convicted. And, you know, there, there is no justice in our country anymore because there, as I said in, the in a previous podcast, there are distinctly two systems of justice in this country. One for the insiders and established D.C. troglodytes. <laughs> we say that? Troglodytes? Yeah. And another system of justice for everyone else, especially those trying to expose the corruption in Washington, D.C. That is why I'm suspect. I don't know if this is going to turn out to be a just indictment or a just trial uh, to defend these indictments. And you have to understand, Donald Trump has to defend himself against every single indictment individually. That's why Alvin Bragg has indicted him 34 times and Jack Smith has indicted him 37 times. So Alvin Bragg or Jack Smith only have to win one indictment. And they can put Donald Trump away for a little while, you know, six months, whatever. But it doesn't matter if he goes to jail. And the funny thing is, even if Donald Trump goes to jail and he decides to still run, which I think he is going to, and let's say he wins the presidential, the presidency, he can, number one, pardon himself, which would drive the left absolutely bonkers. I believe he'll do that. Or he could run the country from jail. There's nothing restricting him to do that. So think about that when you think about this insane case. And remember, Donald Trump has to win all 
71 of these counts. He has to beat all 71. And I don't think they're done with him. I think that uh, there's going to be indictments from Georgia. And I believe there's the, that um, Jack Smith is also working on indictments for January 6th. So all told, I'll bet it's going to be over 100 indictments. And again, Donald Trump has to beat every single one. And like I said in a previous podcast, this is all on purpose to keep Donald Trump from campaigning, to keep Donald Trump from having those rallies with 50,000 people in attendance. That's what this is all about. They want to tie Donald Trump up in court for the entirety of the 2024 campaign. Because if he can't have his rallies and effectively campaign, they believe he won't be elected. But you know, at the same time, it seems like the Democrats really do want Donald Trump to be the nominee because they think that Joe Biden beat Donald Trump the first time, which we, only, we know that he didn't beat him fair. It was a rigged election. But also, they believe there's enough anti-Trump votes out there to get Joe Biden elected again. I don't think any other candidate has a chance, but the Democrats really want Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee again, and they want Joe Biden to be the nominee. And I'll tell you what I'm predicting will happen. I think Joe Biden knows he can't do another term. I really do. And so I believe what will happen is if Joe Biden is reelected, he will resign shortly after that. And that presents us with President Harris. Good heavens help us all. Just like Nikki Haley said in her, one of her uh, interviews, we're not, they're not running against Joe Biden. They're running against Kamala Harris. And I believe that is true. All right. Now, let's talk about puberty blockers. Puberty blockers can be used for certain conditions called precocious puberty, where puberty comes very early, and they can cause all kinds of strange side effects. Sometimes they're very minor and can be easily dealt with. Sometimes they're life-altering, like uh, massive obesity and uncontrolled craving for food, high cholesterol, um, heart disease. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. But I remember listening to one doctor talk about how he gives a puberty blocker, Lupron is the name of it, to his patients who have testicular cancer, and it causes them to be sterile. That's one of the possible side effects of Lupron. Also, there's something you need to know about these puberty-blocking drugs. None of them are FDA-approved for minors. None of them. And we do not have any studies for long-term side effects of these puberty-blocking drugs. This is the reason why Norway, Sweden, Finland, and now the UK have stopped using them on minors. But we're still using them in this country because we're still trying to convince people, our young children, that because they feel weird or odd, you know, that that must mean that they're in the wrong body and that they need to take puberty blockers. 
to give them time to figure out what gender they really are. But what you don't understand is the long-term side effects are not known for puberty blockers. And I've read some, some people that say, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, just uh, anxiety and uh, the symptoms that they were blocking would get a little bit worse before they took their next injection of these drugs. But I've also read horror stories about some of the things that these kids are going through for years. And I've heard a couple of parents say they wish they would have never talk to a doctor about giving their children puberty blockers. It would have been better for them to go into puberty and for women to have periods than to stop this and have these severe side effects. So again, I pose it to you. What is more compassionate? Is it more compassionate to enable a mental illness called gender dysphoria or enable a mental disorder that may not even be gender dysphoria, but may be misdiagnosed as gender phoria, or autism, or emotional problems, like the child went through a trauma at home or somewhere, and they are feeling very uncomfortable and not figuring out why they feel the way they do. And we have some of these doctors that I believe are motivated by money offered by Big Pharma to push these drugs on little children. And I, I'm sorry, if you're a parent and you're allowing your, yes, in UK, there is a, a, a couple that allowed their two-year-old to determine what their sex was. If you're a parent that's enabling your child by just running with whatever they say they are. And I've heard that gender dysphoria happens to about 30% of the population, but by the time the puberty is over, all of that is worked out. All of that naturally gets out, and, and they, they naturally settle on the fact that they accept and like and love their body the way it is. But when you have medical doctors and big pharma pushing drugs on kids that are just confused, I believe that is child abuse, plain and simple. Let me know your thoughts. Be sure and write me at drew at the watchdogsbark.com. Okay, now let's talk about the rising crime rate around our country. And it's funny, it's mostly rising in Democrat-run cities. And a lot of people will argue, well, that's in red states, you know. Yeah, but those are run in blue cities are inside of red states. So the governor doesn't run cities, okay? Mayors run those cities. And m the majority of the cities that are having major rising crime rates are being ran by Democrat mayors. All right. So it's these idiot, idiotic policies that are causing this rise in crime rate. And the funny thing is, is everybody's all, you know, oh, well, you know, it's okay. We're all going to pay for this. 
And I hear a lot of people saying, well, that's what insurance is for. Well, when a store gets robbed enough times and their insurance rates go up, what do you think happens when companies' insurance rates go up? Their prices go up. And we, the people, pay the price for lawlessness. These moronic policies, like in San Francisco and Chicago and New York, where you can steal up to $1,000 of merchandise and no one will try to stop you. And if someone does try to stop them, they're the ones that get in trouble, not the criminals. I don't know if you heard about this, but in Georgia, there were two ladies working at a Lululemon, and all they did was try to discourage thieves. No, no, Two Georgia women say they were fired from their jobs at Lululemon after calling police to report this robbery, which one of them caught on camera. Jennifer Ferguson and Rachel Rogers describing to NBC affiliate 11 Alive Atlanta the horrifying moments the merchandise at the Peachtree Corner store was stolen. They swiped until they couldn't hold any more products and ran out the door. We didn't really feel very protected or like know what else to do. The women say they were fired from their jobs after they decided to call the police about the shoplifting, something they say they were told is against company policy. So it's against company policy to try and prevent the store from being robbed of merchandise. And they got in trouble by calling the police to report the robbery. Huh, that's uh, Lululemon, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's some of the stupidest company guidelines I've ever heard. Do you want your product to be stolen? I know you. everything is covered by insurance and nothing's worth a life, but these girls, all they did was say, no, no, stop, get out of here. That's it. And they were fired. No, not the thieves who stole $7,000 worth of merchandise. No, uh-uh. The employees that tried to discourage the thieves from stealing from their employee were fired. The world has gone insane. What do you think the next group of thieves will do now that they know anyone who even tries to discourage them will be fired? How do you think other employees working for the company will react to this? This is being done on purpose. It's called forced consent. These cities are using intimidation and coercion to silence any resistance to their plan of creating anarchy and lawlessness so that the public will feel unsafe and they will consent to a surveillance state, all in the name of protection and what is best for the greater good. What was it Benjamin Franklin said? Uh, oh yeah, I remember. Those who would give up some of their liberty for security deserve neither. That is exactly right. They are going to continue raising issues that make you feel unsafe, that make you want protection. And all you have to do is give up a little bit of your liberty. That's it. That's all they're asking. Just give up a little bit of your liberty. Let us surveil everything. Let us put cameras in your home and in your cars. And, you know, we'll just monitor everyone so we know the bad actors and we'll catch them. 
because we'll have evidence of every one of their crimes. That's what they want. They want a complete surveillance state, similar to China. And this is the United States of America. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Okay, and one thing I want to get to, because it is this weekend, we are celebrating our fathers. Happy Father's Day to all of my listeners that are fathers. And uh, to my dad, I miss you. Uh, I know it's been a few years, but I still think about you every day. And uh, because you're a pilot, I still wish you blue skies and tailwinds in your eternal flight. If you want to know more about me and my father, you can go listen to the podcast that was a tribute to my father. So you can do that. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. So that's just how it is. But I want to talk about the importance of fathers. It is so important to have a masculine role model in families, especially, but in all children's lives, boys and girls. Uh, Little girls become the apple of their daddy's eyes. And there's a special bond between them. And little boys count on their fathers to teach them what it's like to be a man, what it's like to be a gentleman. And I think that's missing. I'm, I'm really saddened, especially for my friends of color. Do you realize what's happened to your community? It's been done on purpose. Back during the Civil Rights Movement, there were approximately 23% of single mothers raising children. Now, that number is 76%. What's caused that change? The government. The government tried to step in and quote-unquote help. What they did is they basically have made the government the fathers and not encouraged single men in the African-American community to stay with the girl they get pregnant because the most welfare benefits are offered for single mothers raising multiple children. There's a reason for that. I believe it's because the government has decided they want to be the fathers. But I am going to challenge my friends of color. If you are with a woman and that relationship is developing and you happen to get her pregnant, That is your responsibility. And if you are not willing to step up and take ownership of that, and if the woman decides she's having that baby, you let her have that baby. And then you are responsible for taking care of them. That is what real men do. I I don't want to put it that bluntly, but I think I need to. And if people are going to call me racist because of that, fine. I, I... Titles, you know, marginalizations and and labels don't bother me. They really don't. But I think we have such a problem in this country with the emasculation of men and calling real men, men that are alphas, that take charge, that we're calling them toxic masculine, toxic masculinity. I believe, and this is my opinion, that beta men are really the ones that are toxic. Let me tell you why. Men need to be the protectors. Women are precious, and they are much better than us men, for sure. So we should do everything in our power to protect the women. And we should always want to be a gentleman. 
even even the women that scowl at you for holding the door open for them or opening the door for them or pulling their chair back. And by the way, if you ever go on a date with a woman and you go over to pull her chair back and she starts giving you grief about that, walk out of that restaurant right then and there. If a woman ever asks why you're holding that door open for them or says, I can open the door for myself, which I have actually experienced a couple of times in New York. You know what I tell those women? I know you can, but this is my way of honoring you because I believe you are better than we are. Stop some cold. They don't know what to respond after that. And always be a gentleman, even if it causes you to get sick. Uh, I will share a little detail on that. This last week, uh, I had some... Um, get-togethers with some co-workers up in the mountains, and it was kind of chilly, and I saw a female co-worker of mine that was not happy because she was pretty cold, so I gave her my jacket, and I let her wear my suit jacket, you know, and I, I stood in just a shirt, shirt uh, for the whole night that we were uh, working, and the next day, I woke up with a cold, and I had that cold for two days, but you know what? I wear it as a badge of honor. And I will always be a gentleman, no matter what. And I encourage all of my friends who are male to do the same. And ladies, we are not doing these things, opening doors for you, holding your chair out for you. We're not doing it to say that we think you're weaker than we are. We're doing it to honor you, to show respect for you. Because, as I've said before, you are better than we are. You have more compassion. You have more kindness. You have more maternal instincts. We would have to work long and hard to match what you have naturally as women. So please don't make us feel bad for trying to be gentlemen. We're doing it because our father's taught us to be that way. My father taught me never, ever to hit a woman and always be a gentleman. And I got my butt kicked. I think it was in the fifth grade or something by this really brutal girl that knew I would never fight back. I said that to someone and she wanted me to prove it. So she punched and kicked and punched and kicked and I didn't fight back. I ended up with a black eye and a fat lip and because I will not ever hit a woman, no matter what. And I think all guys need to be the same. Now, sure, there's going to be women that are going to take advantage of that. My ex-wife was one of them. But I always have a clear conscience when it comes to any kind of meeting or relationship with women. And that's what is missing in our society today. We need men to be men. So again, happy Father's Day, and you need to start being men, not trying to appease and please all of your feminine friends in trying to be like them or trying not to be too toxic. Don't be violent. That's not toxic masculinity. That's cowardice. If you are not stepping up and being the role model your children need, 
And if you are not willing to take responsibility for children you create, you are cowards. That's one of the biggest things missing in our society today. And I believe is one of the things that's causing the fastest breakdown. All right. So that's how I feel anyway. Again, if you feel differently, write me and defend your wanting to not be masculine. I'd love to hear people's defense on that. Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. All right. Another thing that we're celebrating today is Juneteenth. For those of you who don't know what this is, on June 19th, 1865, yes, that was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation became law of the land, the last holdout of slaves was discovered in Galveston, Texas, and they were told they were free. So a lot of the celebration that happens in Juneteenth is because of that, and they almost consider that the official end of slavery because the last slaves in this country were freed. I don't know why it took two and a half years to get that information to them. I know they had, they had the uh, internet uh, or social media, you know, it would have been instantaneous all over the country, but they didn't. So a lot of the celebration that happens with Juneteenth celebrates African cultures and, you know, basically shines a light on the contribution they have made to our society. And I want to honor them in a way that a lot of uh, people do honor them in celebrations. I want to read to you the Emancipation Proclamation. All right. And first of all, this is um, going into the third paragraph uh, of when it'll actually take place. And then I'll read the official proclamation. That on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people thereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then thenceforward and forever free. And the executive government of the United States, including the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons and will do no act or acts to represent such persons or any of them in any efforts that may make for their actual freedom. And the official proclamation reads like this. I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, by virtue of the power in me vested as Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy of the United States in time of actual armed rebellion against authority and government of the United States, and as a fit and necessary war measure for suppressing said rebellion, do order and designate as the states and parts of states wherein the people thereof respectively are this day in rebellion against the United States, the following to wit. I do order and declare that all persons held as slaves within said designated states and parts of states are and henceforward shall be free. Such persons of suitable condition will be received into the armed services of the United States and upon this act sincerely believe to be an act of justice 
warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity, I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of Almighty God. So I just want to offer my celebrations and acknowledgement of Juneteenth to all of my friends of color. And I do have many of them, and I consider you guys wonderful, wonderful friends of mine and uh, value your friendship and want you to know I will always stand by you. I speak all the time in, in this podcast and other things about being against Black Lives Matter organization, just as I am against the LGBTQ plus YXZ PDQ ever expending acronym organizations. I will always support 100% my friends of color and my gay and lesbian friends. So I just want you to know that I celebrate with you and wish you all a very happy Juneteenth. And since I believe that was a very positive message, I'm going to end it with that. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Thank you again for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please don't hesitate to write me, Drew at the watchdogsbark.com, and please talk about this podcast to people you know that you think would enjoy it. And even people you don't think would agree with everything, but will listen. I have a lot of friends like that, honestly. I have a lot of friends that are polar opposites of me, ideologically and politically, but I know they listen. And I really, really appreciate that. And like I said, in the future, I want to have a podcast where I can have multiple microphones and have just open, honest communication and conversations about a wide variety of topics. So that's it for this week. Until next time, create an amazing day and be sure and relay the bark.